Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening. If you like romance and you like crime, go to patreon.com slash romcrime for some bonus material. Hi, everybody. I'm Vanya. I'm the Rom. Hi, I'm Avrin, and I'm the Crime. And this is Rom Crime. This is our true crime comedy podcast that has romantic dense. <laughs> dense. That's D E N T S. Dense. dense. Yes. Like, like I got a dent in my car. Yes, ma'am. That is what that means. Love it. Love it. <laughs> For those of you who haven't heard of Rom Crime before, we are two BFFs. One of us loves true crime. That'd be me, Aver, in the crime. And one of us loves rom-com. That would be Vanya. Woo-hoo. And we wanted to come up with a podcast we could do together where we could, like, meld our two passions into one gloriously messy, delightful, beautiful podcast. So that is rom-crime. It is Thank romance. You. It is crime. It is comedy. I mean, listen, I am going to do my best to make that all happen. And guys, everyone, thank you so much for listening to one of our very first episodes. We are excited to get into Yacht. Yes, we are. We love it. We love it. We love it. And as a gift to Vanya, this week we picked a crime that is a little less gritty than Mm -hmm. some of the things that we might cover in the future, you know, like serial killing couples, things like that. No one actually dies this time. So we're keeping it light. We're keeping it not easy. It's not easy. None of it's easy. But at least it's a little, everybody survives. How about that? I appreciate it. This is like you're dipping my toe into the water of true crime. And I'm a a feeling and I'm a liking so far. So this is a fun one. Right, don't it? I can't wait. I'm really excited because I get to give you guys backstory. Because one of my things is I really care where this all comes. Why did they do what they do? I like want to know how their parents treated them as children and what made them, you know. So, well, let's see if I even accomplish that. But let's tell the folks at home before we go into that what we're doing this week. So tonight we are going to go through the story of Amy Fisher and Mary Jo and Joey Butterface Butterfuco. Right, aka the Long Island Lolita. She's from Long Island, and she's very young, like the book Lolita. <laughs> <laughs> the media is so smart. <laughs> <laughs> You're so clever, but yes, but she's young. So that's what we're getting into. And we were—I was young, young. I was. Uh, she's older than I am, so um, I just remember hearing it as a like a child, sort of this story. Yeah. But so, I, it was everywhere. It was in the everywhere. news. I mean, everywhere. You couldn't turn the TV on without hearing about Amy Fisher. This was that time in media culture. It's 92 when the, when the news broke. And 
this is around the same time as like Lorena Bobbitt. This leads us up to OJ Simpson, where the idea of committing a crime could bring fame upon your life story wow. in a way that had never been seen before, you know? So like people became notorious, you know, notorious. in the early 90s. I love it. Terrible things to people. I mean, not, I don't love terrible things, but I love that song. Um, yeah, that is so crazy. Huh. I didn't think of it that way. I didn't think of it like it does, like it, as if a, a fortune teller read your palm when you were a child and they're like, one day you will be famous. But it's not going to be for what you want it to be, like being you're a like, Britney not Spears. You're a movie star. star. Yeah. I love that I go to Britney Spears. I love, like, so I was an actor for many, you know, just like, Honestly, I've been an actor since I was like, uh, well, probably born because I never shut the fuck up as a child. But um, meaning like I just always was like, I want to perform for my family. But um, if someone told me back then if I, w- if I was going to be famous or what, I would have been like, oh, yeah, I'm definitely going to be the next Julia Roberts, yeah. not the next lo- Amy, Fisher. Amy Fisher. Yeah. So totally can't wait for, for y'all to get to know my craziness. I have ADHD. I love you. Thanks for hanging out. You're the best. We love you. <laughs> keep on, keep it on, Bon. All right. So tell us a little bit about- Oh, backstory. What made Amy Fisher, Amy Fisher, and what made Mary Jo and Joey, those two. Okay. Let's see if, I hope I do a good job. Okay. So I Aaron, no you can fill in the blanks wherever, if I've left anything out, because I know you're much yeah. more used to like the true crime, like sort of genre. And I am- uh, you know, like a stream of consciousness journaler, 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 journaler. Love Here it. we go. Bring it on. I'll help you out. If you get lost or you leave anything crucial out, I promise I will throw it in. Thank you. Okay, here we go. So this story takes place in Massapequa, New York on Long Island. Okay. She was every mother's dream. She was a perfect child. Rose Fisher, Amy, Amy's mother said, Amy Fisher was born on August 21st, 1974 in Merrick, New York on Long Island. Her father, Elliot, was raised in a Jewish family in New York City. He was 39 years old when she was born and her mom was raised in an Italian family on Long Island, was 22, so quite younger than the daddy boy. So neighbors say that Amy Fisher was actually a pretty normal child growing up, but as she hit her tweens, there was trouble a-brewing. So the need to, to be actually, the need to have attention, to be cool and have all the things kind of consumed her. When she was 15, she got into a fight with another girl at John F. Kennedy High School. And so what, what's 15? Is that sophomore year? Is that freshman? I don't even know. Something like that. I think that. it's sophomore. Okay. So she's I mean, a sophomore. sophomore. I was always a year younger than everyone in high school. Uh, and I was always a year older because I have a September birthday and you have an August I birthday. An August I get it. Birthday. Yep. Yeah. So when she was 15, she got into a fight with this chick in high school and the girl breaks Amy's nose and dislocates her jaw. So it's like an intense ass, crazy hair pulling fight. The Fishers sued the school district for $1.2 million for failing to protect her. And the girl was charged with a misdemeanor and and had a, like a permanent restraining order against, uh, you know, against her. Crazy, right? How did they go to high school together then? I have no idea. That makes no sense. I don't know. But needless to say, Amy's parents, they had, they had money, like more, maybe like upper middle class, you know, they had land or, you know, they had a nice house, all the things. She was an only child, just a note. Then that summer, 
after she's, you know, gotten, got her ass kicked, um, Amy gets a job at a clothing store in the mall. She went to the mall in Long Island. Anyways, she only lasts for like six weeks there because she fucking doesn't like working. Like she never had to work for anything in her life. Her parents have given her everything she's ever wanted all her life. And she's like, yeah, no thanks. They like inter- interview some of the other people she worked with and they were basically saying she showed up late, just called in sick all the time. Didn't like to work. Not, not like me. I had a job at the mall for many years and I worked my ass off. Anyways, not saying I'm better. I'm not better. I'm just saying I like to work. Okay, sorry. Anyways, okay, so Amy turns 16 and her parents buy her a 1989 white Dodge Daytona. I had to look this car up because I actually kind of like cars in a weird way. I'm like, I don't know. I just, I like driving cars. I like, I like nice cars, like fast cars, you know? Anyways, so this is like a fucking speedy, you know, not a race car, but it's got, it's a muscle car. It's a muscle car. Like a little sports car. Yeah. And so it's got, it's, they're not big They're Yeah. It's a little, it's, it's like a sports car, but it's like a, it's got a big ass engine. It's a Daytona, right? It's white. Okay. Just, it, this is important for her for, to know, you know? So her parents gave her this fancy ass car and she was like, oh my God, everybody at school as I drive in, look how cool I am. Okay, great. So that coming winter, Amy goes missing. She goes missing. I would fucking be so upset. I, it, first of all, if I ever did that in my house, my parents would like, I would be, I don't even know. I'm not, I'm a scared to even, I'm a scared to even think. But anyways, so, and also then I have, just so everyone out there knows, I have like a six-year-old and two-year-old. And if they ever did that to me, God forbid, they would never hear the end of it. I would be so upset. So anyway, she goes missing. Her dad files a missing persons report with the local police precinct. Um, But then he cancels it because she appears a few weeks later. You know, they had like a detective on the scene, like, you know, investigating or whatever. The police report said for the last few weeks, she was hanging out in a nearby town Since she got a car, her parents are unable to control her. Subject is an only child and has dropped out of school. The father tells the detective investigating her disappearance, this is a note they write, that his daughter is totally uncontrollable. So that's just interesting, right? Just interesting to know. Very Um, interesting. And also, may I just like throw this in here because of the true crime junkie that I am? Yeah. That's like literally the dream scenario for any parent that files a missing persons report about their child. Yeah. And they're like, they probably just ran off. I'm sure they'll be back. And then, you know, most of the time it's not really bad. But like really they just find just, a head or something. Like yeah. She's just partying in the next town. Just partying. Exactly. She doesn't give a fit. She didn't get fit. So her parents are actually quite lucky if you look at it that way. That's true. And you know what? That's, I like the sunny side of life. And that is totally true. At this point, she starts getting into accidents with her little Dodge Daytona, and her father takes her to an auto, auto body shop that is in a near town. Uh, or, sorry, it's not in a, It's near her mother's fabric shop. So her mom owns this like fabric upholstery shop in Baldwin, New York. So this at this auto body shop, this is where she meets Joey Buttafuoco. I think it was Massapequa. Oh, was it? The city where the body shop was? Oh, um, I got my information bad because I had Baldwin. Or I just wanted to say Massapequa. <laughs> well, Massapequa is definitely where most of this takes place. So, but that could be true too. Because you know what's so funny about the internet, everybody? Let me tell you what. Sometimes the internet lasts to you. It does. So a little bit about Joey Buttafuoco. Joey was born in Massapequa. He grew up around cars and racing because of his dad. Apparently his dad worked on the racetracks and stuff like that. Also, he was a race car driver himself when he was younger and worked on the tracks all around the state. And eventually, 
when his dad's like, you know what? No more race car driving. I'm going to open up my own auto body shop. And he calls it complete auto body and fender. Whatever. <laughs> Fuck those people. I'm kidding. I don't know. Good for you. You must be nice. I'm sorry. But Joey Butterfuko. What's an incomplete auto body shop look like? It's it, right, right. It's a complete auto body. We're complete. Hey, we're fucking complete. We'll completely rip you off. I'm kidding, but it seems like they're <laughs> kind of like that. So Joey Buttafuoco was what I would describe as a douche bag. He had a very curly mullet, and I would say probably how I would look. Um, unfortunately, if I cut my hair into a mullet, <laughs> but he had like a big ass mullet. He was like a super Italian, like I'm um, just like douche bag. He was like a body, kind of like a bodybuilder dude. But, uh, you know, he was kind of like a fat gym rat. Like he had muscles, but like lots of cushion on top of those muscles. And he wore those like 80s pants. Those, I think they're called like Zubaz or I don't even know. And I'm, it, they, I, listen, I didn't find any, any um, uh, historical information here, but I'm pretty sure he probably wore a fanny pack everywhere. He's just like that dude. Saying, when I look at photos of Joey Buttafuoco, I think yeah. of like AC Slater from save the bell totally no, saved by, by the bell, bell. save the bell saved by the bell <laughs> save the bell later aged the most horrible way a person can age yeah you come up with joy butafuco yeah totally and, and quite recognize that he is not aging well exactly he has such is exactly what i was gonna say he's got the confidence of like i mean i don't know he's yeah he's real special let's just say that so when Joey was 14 years old, he meets Mary Jo Connery, 14. She, um, four, he's 14. She's 15 years old. And they're, they marry when he's 21 and she's 22. They have two children. What a fairy tale, huh? What a fairy tale. High school sweethearts. Yeah, she married her prince. I'm sorry. I'm just being sarcastic there. But <laughs> it's just like, I don't know. This guy's a douche. But back in the early 90s, Mary Jo was in all her goddamn glory, people. Everything an off-the-rack fashionista should be. Her hair was like blonde and big and hairsprayed out of her mind. Her outfit, her outfits, oh my God, they were like shoulder padded and fancy blinged out with earrings to match. Yeah. She's just like- Amazing. So she the, was like full working girl. She was full she working girl. Home. Yeah, I think she was a stay-at-home mom. So like full working girl with culottes, you know, something like that. Um, but she loved her husband and she believed their bond was as strong as any. Had no, like fully trusted him. I, she knew him since he was 14 years old. She didn't feel like he could lie to her. He, you know, she had all the trust, all the confidence. Well, I imagine like if you get together with someone yeah. and when they're 14 years old and basically you're 14 too. Yeah. She's 15. She's a year older. Right. So say they're 15, children. Yeah. Like they have known each other their whole freaking Crazy. life. Like he's a member of her family, like even beyond being her husband. Right. That's so true. Well, and you know, for myself personally, I met my husband when he was 19 and I was 20 and we're still together. I don't know how we made it work, but I'm just kidding. It, you know, it takes, it takes work. It takes, uh, and also, I love that it's, you're also 20 and he's 19. I know. I'm one year older than my husband. That's so funny. We have so much in common. Hopefully that's the only thing. <laughs> that's the only thing I promise. <laughs> so, but anyways, okay. So back to Amy who had been frequenting this body shop a lot. Um, she had Joey. This, I just don't know why I like this fact, but I do. She had uh, the Joey Buttafuoco on her Dodge, on her white Dodge Daytona, Daytona put 
pink pinstripes on the car and then her name on the door, Amy. I mean... So not a good getaway car. Uh, no. <laughs> They're like, that Amy just stole... <laughs> she just her. robbed the bank. I mean, this girl was like for sure living the high school slash high school dropout dream, right? I mean, I don't know. I think back to high school. There's High school's hard. High school's fun. There's all kinds of things. But definitely like you think about the people with the nice cars. You think about like the people with the cool shit and all these weird things make so uh, are such a big deal to you when you're young and then you kind of like get out of high school and go to college and later on and you're like oh that stuff is crazy that's like just a facade it makes no sense may i just sidebar ask like what was your first car yeah no problem um i had an awesome car my first car was a full-size bronco like oj style uh, it was 1989, I think, as well. That was the year. So Amy and I also have something coming there. But it was like an old car, you know. It was the shit, man. It I could get, I could, I could like take people for buying in it. I love that car so much. I'm sad that I didn't have money when my dad. Eventually, it was my dad's car. I mean, he just like gave it for me to use, and and then we moved to New York and didn't need cars. And then he eventually sold it. But it bums me out because it is such a cool car. And it was like it was like a tritone. It had like black, gray, and red on it fucking car. What was yours? So my first car was actually also my dad's car that was passed down to me, but happened to be a really fucking cool car. It was a 1991 cherry red Jeep Wrangler, soft top, tan interior. So, you know, the soft top Jeeps where you literally can like zip off the windows. Wow. Yes. So that stuff was tan. The car itself was cherry red. And I will say this in high school, when material things really do seem to count for way more than they should. Right. You know, like I never had the cool new line from Abercrombie and Fitch in high right. school. My parents, <laughs> I'm one of five kids. They're like, go fuck yourself. <laughs> I went to the Gap. I spent all the money I made at the Gap yeah. buying clothes. But I did get the coolest freaking car just because my dad happened to have had purchased himself a cherry red Jeep Wrangler in 1991. And I believe I was old enough to drive in 1997. Amazing. Yeah. Well, 97, 98. I I was in high school in the state of Kansas where you can get your learner's permit at 14. Oh, really? Yes. Because of farming laws. Oh, I love that. So it's all really antiquated. I mean, not that like there are still farms in Kansas, obviously, but the whole thing about being able to get your learner's permit and drive like to and from work and to and from school at the age of 14 has to do solely with being somebody who like lives and works a farm. Wow. And needing to be able to do those things at a younger age. So I started driving this stick shift, by the way, which still to this day does make me think like I'm the coolest person ever. I agree. You are the coolest person. And I also can drive a stick shift and I think it's a good skill. And I know that there's not a lot of, um, you know, need to drive a stick shift anymore, but maybe you never know. Hey, listen, if it's a zombie apocalypse one day, this is where I can like get down with this. Somebody like, what if there's a truck, a huge truck? A lot of those trucks are, are stick shifts. Our manual. We're going to be able to do it. I actually think that's so true because you're right. Like as cars evolve, you know, it's yeah, not going to be like a button. It's not 1997 anymore. So most cars are automatic and yeah. have like internet hooked into them. But yeah. say it's the zombie apocalypse. You're right. Yeah. And you like are up in upstate New York somewhere and you're just running for your life and you find this old fucking truck. Yep. And it is a stick shift. Yeah. Not everybody knows how to drive that. We will save your life with our ability to drive a five speed. We are everyone's driver. 
in a zombie apocalypse. So just don't forget it, folks, when it inevitably happens. But we digress. Um, I could talk about cars for a while. I do enjoy it. Okay, so here we go. So eventually, after all the accidents, right, her, her dad, he's like footing a huge bill at Joey Butafuku's shop. And he's like, you know what? Let's buy you a new car. So he buys her a new black convertible car. And I didn't even like look to see what kind of car that was because I was like, fuck that. That is, honestly, I'm not even mad at her. I'm mad at the parents. I, I wrote down, because what baby wants, baby gets, you know? <laughs> so here's where the backstory gets a little nuts, right? Joey and Amy start having a sexual affair after she starts frequenting the shop. Important fact here, though, I really want to point out, Joey was 36 years old and Amy was 16, just like freshly 16. And I would like to point out that is statutory rape slash, you know, child abuse. I understand that she might have instigated who the fuck knows. We don't know. But the idea is still not okay. He's a married man, right? And old enough to be her dad. Yeah. Just like, don't do that. He's a married man with children. Like, no better motherfucker. Yeah. And Sorry. I also think, no, I'm with you, but I don't mind. I don't mind an age gap. I'm like, I think... People find love in all different ways. It doesn't matter. I, I, the age gap does not bother me in one, in one bit. But what bothers me is someone being underage and not respecting that, you know? That's where the Lolita yes, comes in. But. There's a reason for that, right, Vanya? So yeah. an age gap is an age gap. If you have a 16-year age gap, you're 30, and you fall in love with a 46-year-old man, and you engage in sexual relations with that person, that's fine. Yeah, you, you, you do you. Yeah, the reason that statutory rape exists is because a human being's brain isn't fully formed at the age of 16. Right. It is a brain still growing and evolving yeah. and becoming whole. So it's ability to make rational decisions based on what they actually want, need, desire, and is good for them is not possible. Yeah. That's why it exists. And not that's okay. why grown-ups should know better than to sleep with 16 year olds. Exactly. Um, he obviously didn't because he sucks. So, Sorry, uh, random, but I was like, that's why. Yes. Okay. No, I appreciate that. That's so true. So yes, not okay. And this is actually where I'm like, what the fuck when I read about this? Cause I didn't know much about the story to be honest with you, but Amy Fisher starts working for the ABBA escort service at this point. That's right, folks. That's what I said. She becomes a pros. I mean, she becomes a sex worker. My question is, but why? But why? Her daddy gives her everything she wants. Like, why does she need? I mean, I guess maybe she has needs for money. I'm not sure. But like, my question is why? So. Well, that, I mean, that sounds like a teenager that's acting out. She does not need money. There you go. And how did she get involved in that? Okay. So the story allegedly goes, Joey Buttafuoco would provide patrons of ABBA cocaine. He gave people the sugar booger. The booger sugar? Yeah, the <laughs> and he was the cocaine cowboy of this, yeah. the cocaine cowboy of the story. He was, every and he story has one. Every story, every story has a cocaine cowboy. It's so true, but she apparently he would also act out as like a pimp now and then. Apparently, there was like a rival escort service that went on record saying he would try and steal their girls for this other ABBA house. Weird stuff, guys. Right, so. Long Amy Island, Fisher. am I right? Long Island, yeah. Back in the 90s, real sketchy behavior happening. Amy Fisher and her lawyer claim that Joey persuaded her to go work there. So pimp-ass motherfucker is what I see. I'm sorry. 
I mean, you know, Mary Jo is like, he's my husband, he's a beautiful man, but I see him as a shitty dickhead. Okay, I'm almost done. Here we go. To wrap up the backstory here, I would like to point out that even though I hate Joey Buttafuoco and all that is his pedophilic, pimp, misogynistic ass, I can't ignore the narcissistic behavior that Amy shows growing up. And honestly, I think it was because of the way her parents raised her by denying her nothing. Okay, that's it. No, noted. I think that that's worth mentioning. I think that teaching children that things have to be earned, worked for, struggled for is probably useful. Yeah. Well, you know, that's me as a non-parent being like, still fuck that shit. Yeah. But you had five kids in your house. You know what it's like. I will say I was doing some research because I was like, maybe I'll talk about, you know, a spoiled child to a, you know, as a a spoiled adult, narcissistic behavior, yada, yada. But so I'm researching all this and it was like how to not make sure your kids that way. Like, don't give in when, when they say, when you say no, just say no. And like tonight we had, we had like a full out like panic brawl tantrum with my daughter because I would, I said no to something. And then she started, honestly, if she, she started to like have, she's six and she had like a tantrum and I was like, oh, now I really can't go back on it. I have to stay strong. And the whole time I'm like, this sucks, man, this sucks. I really just want to say yes and give in, but I didn't do it. And I rubbed her back to sleep and she may be pissed with me, but whatever. She's not going to be She's not going to become an escort when she's 16 just to piss you off. Exactly. Well, if you're going to, I mean, I can't, there's, no, I can't predict the future, listen, I doubt. Hey, I'm just saying, don't, don't do it to piss me off. Do it because it's your calling and it's your passion, you know, <laughs> of course, <laughs> follow your bliss. Body but autonomy is important. Body she's... autonomy is important. But also again, I just want to mention this one more time. Yeah. A 16 year old's brain is not fully mm, formed. Mm, Therefore mm, making mm. adult decisions that can affect the rest of your life is not it's not fair to put the onus of that on a 16 year old because their brain ain't fully deformed or deformed ain't fully <laughs> formed yet. their brain is still deformed it's not fully formed it's forming <laughs> it's still forming it's like the frontal cortex yeah i yeah. tried to do some research about it and then i was like i'm not a brain surgeon these words make no sense to me but i know it's not formed all right so this is lead us up give us the crime night baby night give night us the crime okay so now i'm gonna bring it home guys with the crime on May 19, 1992, Amy Fisher drove to her boyfriend Joey's house to confront his wife with the truth of their affair. Fisher rang the doorbell, and when Mary Jo Botafuco answered the door, Fisher said she knew that Joey, her husband, was having an affair with her fictitious sister, Anne Marie. So she made up a sister instead of being like, it's me, he's having the affair with me. But no, he's having an affair with my fake sister, Anne Marie, and that she could prove it. She then pulled out a t-shirt that had the logo of Joey Botafuco's auto body shop on it, saying that she'd found this shirt in her sister's bed. When Mary Jo told Amy to leave, Amy pulled out a pistol and shot Mary Jo in the head and fled the scene. Neighbors, this was by the way, middle of the day, neighbors rushed to her aid and called 911. After an extensive brain surgery, doctors did manage to save Mary Jo's life, but the bullet had to remain in her skull as it would until today. Shit. What? (laughs) Not knowing how bad the damage would be, her family waited. Only six hours after this massive brain surgery, Mary Jo 
woke up. She couldn't speak because, you know, like after massive surgery, you're like intubated, there's tubes. So she couldn't speak, but immediately was handed a pad of paper and a pen. And she wrote down, have I been shot? Why? When asked if she knew who shot her after they were like, yeah, yeah, girl, you've been (laughs) shot. Um, When asked if she knew who shot her, she wrote down 19-year-old girl. Joey Betafuco then told police he might know who had shot his wife. (gasps) He might know, you guys. Mm. He said her name was Amy Fisher, and she was a high school girl who'd been stalking him since they'd met the year before when she brought her her car to his auto body shop after a fender bender. Mm -mm. So after... Amy Fisher is arrested for shooting Mary Jo Buttafuoco. The news media and the tabloids go crazy. They label Amy the Long Island Lolita. Mm-mm. And both parties involved, just to like add fuel to the fire, so they're already chasing the story. Then both parties involved, so the Buttafuoco's and the Fishers, sell the rights to their story to movie studios to for one, help pay for legal fees, but also because, hey, I'm famous. And the world was obsessed with Amy Fisher. In fact, within the year, like within one year of her being arrested and brought to trial, three different television movies are made about this story. So first we have Amy Fisher, My Story. That was in 92. And then we have Casualties of Love, the Long Island Lolita story, starring Alyssa Milano mm-hmm. as Amy Fisher. That's 93. And then the penultimate, the Amy Fisher story, starring Drew Barrymore as Amy Fisher, also came out in 93. So this happens in May of 1992. Within a year, three different Lifetime movies, let's be real, they're Lifetime movies, were made about it. <laughs> wow. So. The trial was a media circus, and it basically turned into a he said, she said. Amy said that she and Joey had been having an affair for over a year, and that he had helped her plan the attack on his wife by telling her when she would be home, what her schedule was like, and that he was in on it. And then Joey said that he had never had any kind of a relationship with Amy, and that she was his stalker. Amy, then, you know, after like evidence, it's important, came out changed part of her story, saying that, no, Joey had not helped her plan to murder his wife. In fact, there had never been a plan to murder his wife, but that when she went to confront Mary Jo about the affair and she was dismissed by her in such an obvious fashion, that it enraged her. So she took the pistol. Why are you bringing a pistol, girl, if you have no plans to shoot someone? But anyway, so that she took the pistol and she cold cocked her like just bashed her in the head with the gun and then the gun went off and that's how she ended up being shot that she never actually like pointed the gun and shot it at her eventually amy will plead guilty to aggravated assault to avoid facing attempted murder charges joey also changed his story in the end he finally admitted that he had in fact been having a sexual relationship with amy that had started when she was 16 and he knew she was 16 He only admitted this, though, after police found hotel receipts at places that she had said they went to, dated before her her 17th birthday, with Joey's signature on them. And as punishment, Joey served 
four whole months in jail, you guys. Ugh. I hate it that guy. Makes me angry. Shockingly, through all of this, Mary Jo stood by Joey's side, and she always staunchly defended her husband. Amy ended up serving seven years of her 10-year prison sentence and was granted parole. And a large part of why she was granted parole is because Mary Jo actually wrote a letter to the court saying that she felt that she had served her time and that she was remorseful. Then, after her release, the two women agreed to appear on Entertainment Tonight together to discuss what had happened and bury the hatchet. And then I wrote, what? I mean, what? TV in the 90s was classy with a capital K. Can I get a what? (laughs) What? Like, what do you mean? You're going to go on fucking entertainment tonight. Right. Okay. So that was the crime, y'all. After all the cameras and interviews faded away, Mary Jo and Joey moved to Southern California, where the dry desert air finally cleared the the fog from Mary Jo's brain, and she divorced Joey in in 2006. I mean, And then she wrote a book. I'm just saying, like, she moved to the desert. Several, several years went by, like, probably close to a decade. But still, finally, she was like, wait, what am I doing? And she divorces him. Then she writes a book that's titled Getting It Through My Thick Skull, Why I Stayed, What I Learned, and What Millions of People Involved with Sociopaths Need to Know. And to this day now, Mary Jo works as a motivational speaker. So. After serving his lengthy four-month prison sentence for statutory rape, Joey continued to make fantastic life choices. And he was in and out of trouble with the law throughout the early 2000s. Some of those life choices were insurance fraud, solicitation of a prostitute, sex worker, but the actual reports of prostitute, but sex worker, and illegal possession of ammunition. When he wasn't in trouble with the law, Joey used his minor celebrity status from this whole Long Island Lolita case, to get into the TV tabloid game. His most famous TV appearance was in 2002 when he appeared on Celebrity Boxer. So, fun fact, Buttafuoco was originally slated to box against no other than John Wayne Bobbitt. Stop it right now. Wayne Bobbitt's uh, ex-husband. But Bobbitt had to drop out because he was arrested for domestic abuse because that he's guy, a shithead. Yeah, that guy's a shithead. Anyway, that was his like pride and joy of reality TV. Amy Fisher catapulted her notoriety into reality TV show appearances and eventually into the adult film industry where she worked as an actress and a producer of adult mm. films until 2011 when she quit. She also married and had three children. She has since divorced, but she still has three children. So that is the crime, the trial, the aftermath. Banya, let's discuss. Well, have you ever seen any of her adult films? I'm just wondering. I wonder what I they were like. Not. I mean, <laughs> I didn't assume. I that mean, <laughs> I am committed to my research, but I I forgot to research that part of it. I just wonder, you know, what kind of what kind of shenanigans she got up to i, think I mean do i really care but you know i just wonder I, I mean i definitely don't want to see those videos i think it's right. fascinating though that when we talk about you know our last episode was about john and lorena bobbitt right 
and how he went in, I mean, granted he had his, his penis chopped off, but he then had it reattached. And I think maybe to like prove something to the world to be like, look, it's still fine. It works. He did porn. Yeah. But I think it's interesting how people who become notorious, right, for some kind of sex-related crime often end up doing pornography. Yeah. And maybe it's because that's the only industry that's like, come this way. We got you. We'll make you rich. I mean, do they really ever get rich? No, they can't. There's no way. I mean, you can't. I mean, I'm sure you buy, some people buy porn, but I don't think most people buy porn anymore. Like, I don't know how people. There's too much free porn. There's too much free porn. Like, isn't there even like a porn site that, it's not even porn, but it's like Facebook, but like more like naked. Did you hear about that? I have not heard about that. Sorry, guys. I will look it up and try and put it in the comments there or in the description. But people are making home porn, so no one's making money off of porn. And maybe back then, a producer was like, listen, I'll give you $3,000 if you do this pornographic movie. And what? how long did it take? Maybe it took them an hour or two to make the porn, so they made $3,000 in an hour. But then... Do you think you really make a porn in an hour? I I mean, I know it's not high quality, but like you got to get all the angles. I have no idea. But I will say, in that idea of like, you know, when you when you're when you're young and you're hearing stories of like what not to do with your life, it's like honestly, don't do a porn. I don't know. I don't know how to express this more to people, but I do think that is probably a pretty bad idea, unless it's a good idea. And maybe I'm wrong. I'm not approved. I mean, I'm, I'm with you 100. percent So when I hear that, that makes me sad. Yeah, me I think, too. Okay, here's a woman who at the ripe old age of 17 became universally known for this horrible thing that directly was related to the fact that she was preyed upon by an older man. Yeah. Whether or not he instructed her to do what she did, that's not important. She was 16. He was 36. He engaged her in an extramarital affair, which then caused her not, as I mentioned earlier, multiple times, fully formed brain to act out in a terrible way. She absolutely deserved to go to jail. She absolutely should have been punished for what she did. But at the same time, she was a child. The fact that when you come out on the other side of that, your only option is adult films. So the only thing I take like solace in is that at least she wasn't just acting in them. She was producing them as well. So hopefully she was like pocketing more money. But I also still think it's sad because, I mean, who knows? Obviously, from what you shared with us, like she was a troubled teen. Yeah. But a lot of teenagers are troubled and then they grow out of it. A lot of them get away with committing bad acts, but not acts so bad as to make them media sensations for trying to murder their lover, their married lover's wife. You know, we all make bad choices at 16 or 17, but most of them don't affect the rest of our lives. Right. It's like her moral compass was off or like her empathy compass or even her self-love compass was off. I don't know. I think moral compass is the perfect way to put it too. When you say like the concept of right and wrong didn't exist to Amy Fisher. It was just I get what I want, and that's the end of the story, which has something to do with how her parents raised her, but also had something to do with the fact that she was a teenager with a teenager brain and the hormones and all of the things, because a rational human doesn't shoot someone in the face (laughs) when they won't take your allegations of an affair seriously. Yeah. And I also just think that 
what it comes down to in a big part for me is the media coverage of it, right? Ooh, so yeah. this whole thing could have happened without the whole world knowing. I mean, yes, it would have been a trial. It could have been even like Long Island news. Right. It didn't need to be national and global news. But the media has this wonderful way of taking beautiful young women and kind of demonize. I mean, granted, what she, I'm not trying to justify what she did because what she did was just like stupid and awful and wrong. Right. And even the police said fatal attraction. It's like this thing. It's always like against the woman, which she shouldn't have done it, but it's like, she's crazy. It's a fatal attraction. Right. Like instead of seeing, instead of looking through the lens of what was actually happening, which was a 16 year old girl was having sex with a married 36 year old man who seems to be pretty manipulative seeing as his wife eventually wrote a book about what people need to know about living with sociopaths. So I imagine he was pretty controlling, manipulative. And as I've mentioned, and now 105 times this episode of unfully formed brain yeah. might take that kind of info. Like for all we know, he was like, if she wasn't in the picture, it'd be you and me, babe. And that's mm-hmm. all it would take because she's 16. And then also, you know, like, I don't know, the way the media not only like demonizes women who are perpetrators, who commit crimes. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to lump them together because these are the two episodes we've done so far. But Lorena Bobbitt and Amy Fisher, they're criminals. They committed crimes, but they're also victims. Lorena Bobbitt was a victim of extreme domestic abuse. Amy Fisher was a victim of sexual abuse Mm -hmm. by an older man who sexually abused her. Whether or not she could comprehend that at the time, that is the reality of what was happening. Right. But instead of like focusing on the fact that an older man took advantage of a young girl, potentially maybe put the idea in her head. I'm also just speculating that, but I feel like based on everything we know about Joey Bittafuco, clearly a criminal in and out of prison a bunch of times after this whole thing. Mary Jo clearly brain dead a little bit from this thing for a while. Cause she stuck by him and defended him. Eventually, like I said, Southern California air clears the fog, <laughs> but the news, the media, the tabloids, the 24 hour mm. cable news coverage put all of this on a 17 year old girl. They demonized her and they hypersexualized her. They called her Lolita. Like somehow she went out of her way to seduce this older married man and then tried to kill his wife. When in reality, an older man went to bed with a 16-year-old girl and then whatever her brain was filled with as a result of that led to what happened. So yeah. the, it's his fault. I agree. That's I agree. My, that's, my, that's my rant. <laughs> I'm with you on that. I think that's really interesting. I think that, you know, as we know, even today, how the media can sway people's views on anything. And it's like, so it's scary. It's, it's also fascinating the power of it. Like if you say something, if you write something down with conviction or have an idea, people will believe you. Yeah. No, I mean, the power of the media is huge. If you actually recognize that, as a news source, people are going to take what you say as fact. 
and potentially follow, say, say you give orders. Mm -hmm. But I mean, the responsibility is huge. And I feel like in the 90s, we lived in this like tabloid news era, right? So, so true. people were like watching hard copy and entertainment tonight and inside edition. Like it was news when it was right. really just, it was People Magazine on crack live, <laughs> you know? It wasn't the news. It was just, it was sensationalized storytelling. Yeah. Uh, it's so crazy. This was a good one. I, this, I mean, it was good. Again, I will just echo that I'm happy no one died. <laughs> I'm so happy to have brought you a story where no one died. Because Thank you. next time, it's not going to be so clean. Rat row. <laughs> there will be death. It will be ugly. Oh, but geez. we'll get through it together. Thank you. Yeah. Guys, thank you so much for listening to one of our first podcasts. I'm Vanya the Rom. Oh and yeah, I'm, I'm Vanya Aver the Rom. <laughs> I'm Avrin the Crime. And again, this is Rom Crime. And we are so thankful that you're listening. And if you wouldn't mind rating, reviewing, and subscribing wherever you listen to podcasts, it would help us out a great deal. That's right. And if you, you know, review, just write a little review, say something, say, be like, what's up? I love this. Or this made me feel uncomfortable, but give us five stars, but it really helps us out. We love doing this podcast. So make it happen for us. You do. We love it. We love it. And we love you guys. See you next week. Thanks for listening. Mm -hmm.